0: Some guys like it quiet, some guys like it loud, this is... You yeah, know, the gator needs to look
1: like he this some exercise, I don't know. Of course, the conditions now that he has to play the shot
2: to test anyone.
1: The oh, yeah,
2: look at this, Peter. Look at this shot. Look at, that go in.
1: Running after, he ran after. He got there before
2: the ball did. I don't believe it. How about that one? No shit, him do that. You knew he would. You knew he would. together Jim those two it's a great story good morning good afternoon good evening and welcome into episode 72 of dialed in a podcast by the high cotton club I'm your co-host and captain Connor Henderson joined this week by Alex Kreider as our co-host and vice captain of the high cotton club John Stewart is away tending to some business and we wish him well and wish all of you well this ho- holiday season we hope that you are uh, surrounded by family and loved ones and if you're not, we are thinking of you and you are not alone, even if you might be physically. But, Alex, you're not alone. Happy to have you here in uh, the High Cotton headquarters with us tonight. How you doing, brother?
1: Yeah, I'm doing well. Um, things are going well. Life's moving along. You know, like I said, I've, I got a little bonus at work this year, kind of a, got a little winter bonus and some raise. So, I might, you know, that whole part of my life's going well. My job, love my job. And, uh, you know, just looking at starting to build a family next year. So thank you. Yeah.
2: Shaking things up. I like it. Uh, well, it's the holiday season. So a little early Christmas present for you. And we love that. And uh, happy for you. And um, appreciate everybody tuning into another episode of dialed in a podcast by the high cotton club, where we'll be covering everything that's going on because as always, it's a busy time, even though winter is surely bucking its head, but um, registration is coming up for a few events. Um, the barn burner registration will be opening just as quickly as I can get it open at this point, um, but registration for the Mother Clucker is open. Um, the Barn Burner, um, you know, that's our first event in Kentucky for 2020 for the calendar year. But right after that, the Farmers uh, Cup yeah. with the Crossroads Co-op, who newly minted uh, officially as a no-laying up route. So congratulations to those guys again. But a lot of things coming up. And so keep your eye on Unknown Golf. I'm the official scoring software and presenting sponsor for the High Cotton Club because if you're tired of counting up dots, if you get annoyed typing in six-letter codes for every tournament or yelling across fairways to find out other group scores, or maybe you're the guy at your club with binders and spreadsheets stacked up to track handicaps and scores for your group games, if any of that's true, you need Unknown Golf because Unknown Golf is the golf scoring system that weekend warriors everywhere have been waiting for. I gives every player a live leaderboard for their game and integrates real handicap data into every tournament weekend game and individual round played. And it even posted to the USGA for you shout out to the Peachtree collective. So they got their USGA community set up. So you can join uh, officially and get your handicap in Georgia. If you're part of the Peachtree collective. So shout out to those guys. But, um, now we've all seen live scoring apps before, but what sets unknown apart is the ability to track every side bet or game that you can imagine simultaneously in addition to the Calcutta feature, in addition to the green maps, to the GPS, all that stuff. It's, it's crazy, all the things that they're doing and how personalized the experience is. So if you're like uh, Crider and you're playing out at Park Mammoth with the boys, you can hit the challenge button at any point during your round to add additional bets, presses, or challenge any other person using the app. All bets and scores are displayed on an easy-to-read dashboard, and data is tracked and easily searched to discover long tr- long-term trends and totals for the individual Unknown Golf track's net gross, and course-specific scoring averages, among dozens of other data points. All of the High Con Club uses Unknown Golf, and you should too, so visit unknowngolf.com to create your player profile and download the app. Unknown Golf, the scoring app for the serious, casual golfer. Brother, we used uh, Unknown Golf in a big way throughout the past 15 months, I'd say, but even longer than that, we've been raising money um, since I guess it was two years on December 9th. Um, and we've been raising money in the name of the High Cotton Relief Fund. When the High Cotton Club first started, um, we started as the High Cotton Classic, and we've talked about that before. But it was this after the second edition that the tornadoes hit Mayfield, Kentucky. And I stayed up all night watching it. We had some guys kind of around that area, you know, and anytime that I see weather rolling through Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky, I'm kind of, you know, watching where our guys are and um, just where we might be able to help um, in general. And so last couple weekends ago when the tornadoes came through, even before then when I saw that the weather forecast was going to be what was it? 65 degrees to 35 degrees. I knew that something good, um, or something bad was likely to happen. And unfortunately it was a not as bad as it could have been, but it was, it was pretty bad. Yep. Um, where were you during the tornadoes and, and how were you affected?
1: So I was actually, um, doing some kind of a little family get together with my uncle who lives in Fairview plantation. So we were, um, Watching it, keeping up with it, saw we were, you know, we were, everyone was kind of getting a little panicky seeing how stuff was heading up. We started learning that everything was headed up through North of Nashville going towards where we were. Um, We, you know, we saw some of the stuff that like, you know, Stuart posted discord from the legacy, saw the tornado going through Springfield um, and very quickly learned that it was going, I mean, it ran right just North of the Fairview. So we were, we were, I kept, I shouldn't have been doing this, but I was running in and out of the house, peeking out, trying to see if lightning would flash so I can see anything. Just to, I'm, I'm the type that's like, I don't want to sit there and wait. I want to go and witness and make sure if I've got to make some adjustments, I always want to be ready to go on the fly. But yep. thankfully, you know, it got right. It, it didn't go. It, we were south enough. It, you know, really wasn't too much of an issue. We saw that there was some damage on the, you know, the beginning of the neighborhood that my uncle lives in. So, uh, it was, it's kind of sketchy. You know, we, or it is just a, it's a, you know, it's a good community and Hendersonville is a big town. And um, to know that the tornado ran right through, it's just kind of spooky. Well,
2: obviously we didn't release the podcast last week. Uh, It was kind of dark on um, social media and everything over the past couple weeks. Uh, We were kind of planning to ramp things back up from a small break that we were taking anyway. And um, that hit and, from my perspective you know with animals i'm always trying to leave them out kind of as as late as i can and then rush to get them in and that's exactly what happened um it moved a lot quicker than i expected but i saw the devastation that happened in clarksville that morning and it was it was awful and so after that as it started getting closer i was on tiktok actually i wasn't even on any like the local weather stuff i was watching uh some tiktok guy who just loves weather and he really? he was doing a great job covering it and and you love to see that um so yeah i was just watching that and it was pretty scary to see how it moved north of nashville like you said smacked madison Goodlitzville, hendersonville um and then obviously later on uh the devastated sorry i'm i saw some things uh we'll fast forward a little bit just going fast forward that night, I immediately, um, because of the High Cotton Relief Fund and what we do, after everything that was taken care of around here, right, um, I went to Trash Supply, bought as many tarps as I could, bought a bunch of blankets. Um, and for people wondering, like, why would you not go um, to somewhere cheaper? I have a sort of a deal with Trash Supply, so, like, don't ask too many questions. Yeah. But don't worry. We, we, got, <laughs> we got the deal. Um, so, but I tried to take care of that. um, And I went straight to Hendersonville. It was still storming and stuff like that. And I had a trailer trying to help, whatever. um, And it was really sad to see so many people just driving around with their windows down and like phones up. And like, I'm trying to get to like, where can I help people? Um, So that was a little bit frustrating and frustrating to look back on. And I just saw some things that, I really wish that I'd never seen, right? Like it was truly catastrophic in some of those areas. As I, I went back the next day, um, what was that, Saturday? No, Sunday morning, right? Yeah. Yeah, Sunday morning, um, Aussie, the food truck from the extinction, struck up a friendship and a relationship with the owners there. And so they were planning to go to Hendersonville and serve food all day. And so met up with them that morning and as I was serving food to some linemen and some some people kind of working to restore power and all that stuff, kind of developed not a relationship, but, like, a, they see me and they kind of, like, they know what I'm trying to do, allow me into some areas that they weren't allowing other people into, and, and the things that I saw that day and the next day doing the same thing in Springfield, like, it's just, it, it's
1: awful. It's so, so, so sad yeah that this stuff happens quick and you know it's uh it's powerful stuff i don't know if i feel bad for the people that you know lost their homes and you know businesses and lost. it's just it's a tough uh tough pill pill swallow that you know no one thinks they're gonna be the one that gets hit but until you are it's just you know thankful that i obviously was came out unscathed and wasn't really an issue for me but you know it, you can barely quickly become – think you're going to be that person that it turns out on you.
2: No, very thankful that all of our guys um, were healthy and safe and uh, made it through. Our thoughts and prayers are with Patrick Patton and his family at the rudder, um, got hit, got hit. And so, um, you know, it's, it's going to be a, a bit of a process for them to get, you know, fully back where they want to be. And so our thoughts and prayers are with them as they get back to where they want to be. Good news is, you know, he has black wolf build, so at least he's well equipped to be able yeah. to do whatever needs to to be done. But it does kind of suck, and I don't know how that works for insurance if you contract your own business. Uh, right? But <laughs> that might be a loophole, but um, trying to make light of a horrible, horrible situation, and our thoughts and prayers remain with all of the people in the affected communities: Clarksville, Springfield, Hendersonville. Um, you know, being Kind of in between Springfield, Hendersonville, felt very lucky right here in White House that it went around us. Clarksville felt very lucky that our the people that we know were not affected, um, but we were able to serve with Aussie. Um, they were able to serve, and we were able to deliver. I'll, I'll put it that way. Yeah, over two thousand meals over the, those two days. That's why And so um, to be able to do just a small part to feed the people who are working hard, to feed people who didn't have power, um, just driving around in neighborhoods and uh, getting calls from people going up to knocking on doors with burgers and chips. It was was weird, right? Like I, it was definitely, you you don't expect some somebody just to walk up and and have food for you. Um, And so I I had some people give me some funny looks and probably turn it down because they questioned our intentions, but uh, you know, we were trying to do the right thing and uh, hopefully it made a small impact for those people. And um, like I said, our thoughts and prayers continue to remain with all those folks we will continue to do everything that we can through the High Cotton Relief Fund. And, of course, we don't put our the proceeds from every single event towards the High Cotton Relief Fund like we donated um, towards uh, North Star United from Santa Slam, stuff like that. Um, but as we continue to move forward, our, our main mission really remains being prepared for these types of situations. And, uh, yeah, I'm just incredibly thankful um, to everybody who has given us that opportunity to help. Right. Um, so like I did just mention Santa Slam, you got to play. And I know Stu and I talked about it a little bit um, on the pod a couple weeks ago, but you actually got to play in it. Give me some thoughts and uh, feelings about um, the, the event at the little course.
1: Um, so I guess I'll start with the course itself. Uh, first time playing it, extremely impressed. Um, I thought it's a great little community course in Franklin. Uh, I'm jealous that they have it. Uh, I would, I would, very much like to have something like that in this area that we could use because I would be there, um you know, as much as I can. I love hitting wedges. I love practicing, and that, that course would be perfect for it, and it, it's got great practice facility. But um, the event was a lot of fun. Uh, I was thinking about this today, and I, I, I feel like walking and playing golf with your buddies feels so much more substantially like you know, invigorating and like feels better for your soul as someone who plays and loves golf to walk and play golf instead of ride and play golf. It, it just, I don't know. There's something about that. It just feels more, uh, I don't know. Just feels more communal feels, feels more genuine and fun. And I, I get, a, I, I know it's tough to try and plan events to walk because it's just not everyone wants to do it. It's not, people don't all share my same uh, feelings about it. And obviously it's a, you know, there's always concerns about pace of play. Some people might say walking is faster, you know, it's, it's, you're going to go back and forth on that. But um, so that portion of it was great. I thought the um, secret Santa was a lot of fun. Uh it's you know, fun to see who you got. Just try to be kind of uh, creative with the gifts you got. I really like beers as gift. I thought that was hilarious and awesome. We got that. Uh, what was it? The, it's like a, that the, rubber, spin, doctor, yeah, the right? spin doctor. I was trying to remember what that was. That was so freaking funny. And I thought that was so creative and very much, uh, very uh, fits beers, you know, MO. So I thought that was fun. It was a, it was a good event. Uh, like I said, enjoyed it. Thought thought the course was great. Didn't score as well as I would have liked, which is kind of my MO, you know, but it is what it is. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 I'd, I'd love to play more events like that. Just like, I really really enjoyed Vinnie Links. I think Vinnie Links was like one of my fav- one of my first events with High Cotton Club. So, I don't know, just like I said, walking and hanging out with your buddies and playing a good golf course is just something that really speaks to me.
2: Well, you know, we uh, I think it's it's probably I think I've given enough time. Obviously we'll go back to Vinnie Links in the spring for the Salute ahead of the High Cotton Classic uh, and the Masters. But we talked with Beers a while back about Percy Warner, right? And then there was some talk in the Discord about the the high cotton hike. Well, we're going to work on getting the 100 hole hike in with Tanner um, and maybe collabing with, with what he's doing. Um, so, I reached out to Percy Warner um, when Tanner and I first started talking about this. That night, I sent yeah. an email. Followed up. Still haven't heard back. So, uh, for the Context of following up with the conversation about beers or with beers. I don't know, man, like this place may not, may just be another Metro. Uh You show up and you play if you can, but uh, if they don't invest in some staff and right now, I guess it's still the same pro over at Harpeth. And so that's who I've been trying to contact. So, throw a Harpeth under the bus too. We know how difficult they are to to get in contact and deal with, but yeah, Metro it's, it's tough when those kind of walkable courses that we would like to play at are the Muni courses in the Metro system and we can't get on.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a tough scene. Um, I don't know. I don't, I don't, I didn't grow up playing Muni golf in this area, so I can't speak on, you know, the heritage of it and what the, the, how, you know, you probably have being in your history have a lot more involvement in history with the uh, courses around Nashville, but um, it doesn't feel very uh, accommodating for sure. In any way, um, I, I don't know. I just don't see the heart in any of the uh, muni cor- the you know the people running muni courses in Nashville. To be honest.
2: No. And, and you, and you look at uh, the strapped videos and like the great courses and those, right. It's the heart that makes those
1: places. It's not
2: necessarily that the golf courses are that much better, but it's the heart that you're talking
1: about. Yeah, that's exactly it. I, 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 I spent a, you know, I travel for work and I used to travel a lot more. It's kind of been toned back a little bit. Um, but I was traveling a lot and was able to, you know, I was like relocating in all these areas and it always stuck with me working in like North Carolina. Um, there's a, I've worked kind of between Charlotte and Greensboro, a lot of public golf courses. And every time you went there, man, all the guys were happy just to get you out. And the people work uh, or playing that you would just, you know, walk up to. Cause I was always a single I'd well show up and everyone was like, man, like just join us, play with us. The courses were, I mean. You pay. I mean, it was like thirty dollars to play a Pete guy public course, mm. and it was just incredible. And the course was really well maintained. It was beautiful, and I don't know. It just felt like the the scene there kind of spoke really well for, um, you know, public golf, and it spoke uh, a lot about the people that were there and actually gave you know their heart to it.
2: Yeah, I I think that there are models for successful public golf. Um, Obviously, a bunch of my frustration comes from seeing it kind of uh, never be what it could have been growing up. You know, I went to school. I'm from out here in Robertson County, about 30 miles outside Nashville. But I did go to school downtown for four years. So all of my competitive golf was played um, at a bunch of those mini courses and a bunch of the courses, Franklin, Brentwood, that area. I didn't have the privilege during those years of playing like my side of town golf courses, um, like I did in my later high school years. So to go from having that experience to then being a golf pro and finding success in public golf at a place that didn't deserve it. Right. Pulling people from Nashville because I did one thing that was treat people right. Like, (laughs) yeah, that's where a ton of my frustration comes from. Uh, but as as negative as I may feel about um, the Metro Muni system, I feel equally, if not so, more positive about the addition of Park Pammoth to the golf landscape that we have, even though it is a little bit of a drive. It's probably helpful that it's a little bit of a drive so that it doesn't get overrun. Uh, but you were up there this
1: week to play a little jackpot with the boys in the frigid, frozen weather. Yeah, you know what? we had the entire place to ourselves. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I, and I, I, I say that and I mean it, the, you know, and, and the guys that we play, I played with can attest to it. We were the only ones on that entire golf course. And obviously the conditions were a little rough. It's cold. It was windy, but it was playable. We had, we had, we all enjoyed ourselves, but you know, what, what
2: was your, what was your green fee?
1: Uh, I think it was like 58 dollars maybe i want to say i think because i bought like a uh like a candy bar or something and i think i paid 65 total that all was right. after tax I don't so know. let's
2: say 60 times six right
1: I, i'm terrible at
2: math i'm trying to pull up my car 360. all right 360 yeah i wasn't even trying to do that that's a whole lot easier <laughs> i didn't even tr- attempt it it's not difficult to math um uh, so 360 and they had they brought in three employees. They brought in somebody in the shop. They brought in a starter, and
1: they brought in a cart boy. Right? Uh, I there's the starter was the one pulling out carts. I think he. But they he brought know, in the cart boy for the end, right? No, no, it was, it was the it was same the, guy. the same dude. You know, you know, the same guy's always starting us off. Uh, I, can't, I don't okay. know his name, um, but he was the one that grabbed our carts. I swear he had his wife with him. Like they were just grooving out there, and yeah, I think I saw. They were doing some um, irrigation work, so they had a couple guys out there doing that. And I think they might have had a superintendent. I think I saw what's his that's Jacob. Uh, yeah, I think I saw Jacob there riding around trying to you know keep up with the work they're doing. But yeah, there was might have there might have been three actual employees in between the shop and the carts.
2: I'm guessing that um, they they spent about half of what they made on your group yesterday, and that's like a loose what they made that's that's a tough scene for them and kudos and i say that to say kudos to them for like not calling y'all me like hey guys like we're not going to be open
1: today right yeah there's no way yeah they they could they, have easily they, said
2: hey we're walking only and just tried to get y'all not to come which
1: yeah. it probably wouldn't work they, they very very obviously operated in a loss yes or the other day whatever it was but um <clears throat> great time um had a lot of fun with the boys um uh, Didn't get the win against Will, but you know what? He played good golf. You know, it's hard to beat somebody who's, uh, you know, shoots just over. He he shot, I think he shot two over. So he played a good. He had a good round. Yeah. So Tanner organized the jackpot,
2: but you and Will both signed up, and Will carrying the bag. You challenged him, Um,
1: but guy, guy's been playing good golf. He's good. He was playing good, man. He didn't miss. He made all the putts. He he made like two or three birdies in a row from the birdied. I say birdied eight nine and oh, he, he didn't. He missed his pipe. I like that on 10, but um, played good golf. I, I'm i you know, like always, perpetually going through some type of new swing field. Golly, but, um, we uh, we you're the clay <laughs> of swing fields, Dude, and, and I it's, know it's Clay
2: Clay always says, I don't even say it's I'm not the tinkerer anymore. He, you know, I know that Clay wants to get off that block, um, and chuck is much more of a tinker but clay i'm just going to continue to use you for the bit sorry
1: yeah i don't know man but yeah you're the clay of swingfields. it really is i i don't know it's i don't play a lot uh, you know I, I i say that i've played probably in more events than anyone besides yourself this year and i um, i would I, I say most people in the club would attest that like when there's a jackpot going on. If it's in middle tennessee or that you know in our area i'm probably trying to get involved in some mm-hmm. way but um so i say that you know that's obviously a, a joke that i say i don't play a lot because that's not true but um it feels like every time there's something you don't play different enough
2: committed golf
1: that and, is my problem right there you know it's oh my god you practice on the golf course oh play play. i golf. swear lane was going to slap I, at some point Lane rockensock is going to slap me across the face. He's like, he's always telling me, man, you've got such a good swing. Just stick with it, hit your draw. And I'm, I'm, I'm on the first tee saying, I'm going to commit to it. I'm going to commit to the game plan. The game plans, you know, swing with good tempo and play good golf and just do your thing for 18 holes. You know what I'm doing on the 17th tee box. And maybe even before that is ta- I'm, T I'm watching Tanner Sandell hit his huge you know, pull cut, and I'm like, you know what, I'm gonna do that. And of course, I toe bang one like right into, I, 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 it stayed in play. But Lane is sitting there looking at me like, what are you are doing? You, he's like, he's like, dude, you have the nicest swing, just swing it. And I'm like, I, I just can't do it. I, I am a glutton for just screwing myself out of a good score. It's, it, it's, it's a, it's a mental battle. It really is. I, I, there's demons, you know, we're fighting, fighting those demons, but. Anyways, uh, great time. Uh, I did find a good feel. Was striking my irons as good as good as I ever have. So hopefully that's a good trend going forward. And I'm I needed to stick with what I got. I, I I'm trying to have this mental just resolve to just stick to something for more than one round of golf.
2: Well, I think Will probably had a little bit of fire under his uh, seat. You know, he's been traveling a lot, but to be able to play in that jackpot first of all, to play for the bag and, and want to keep it. Um, or keep the right to it, and then also last time we were up at Park Mammoth, or last time at least I was up at Park Mammoth with Will. I did just enough to kind of edge him out, so he probably had some of that. Like you know what, today I'm gonna be the windshield, not the boat.
1: Yeah, yeah, I don't, I don't doubt it, man. He played well. Uh, it was he, he, he didn't miss. It didn't feel like he missed all day. I mean, he was even the even 40 foot putts, man. He was he was running. Like a half inch by, it was like a running joke throughout the day. Like he was not missing. He so was, greens like, are good right now. The greens, so they were slow. Slow? That's fine. Yeah, they I heal mean, they were, up. They were fluffy, but they looked in like great shape. Great. Very, very uniform. Like great. there, there wasn't any. um, The hell are those little sprouts that people like? Wear? Poa. Yeah, poa. That's wasn't anything like that. They were perfectly uniform, like carpet. They were just thick, like carpet. Like they were slow. That's fine. That's fine. We're, but it was fine. They looked really nice. The course looked really nice. Good,
2: good stuff. Happy to hear that. And uh, obviously, excited to
1: get back up to Park Mammoth.
2: Three events up at Park Mammoth this year with the Farmers Cup with uh, the Crossroads Co op, the Extinction, and the Farmers Market with the Peachtree Collective and Splash of OJ. So, three times up at Park Mammoth. The Barn Burner up in February. Lots coming up in the state of Kentucky and stuff that we haven't even released yet. So, um, stay tuned, all of our Bluegrass guys. But headed south, down the state line, down 65 to the Yellowhammer State, we're going to bring in Mr. Justin Meese, Assistant Superintendent for Limestone Springs. The Overlook registration is still open for the Overlook as this podcast is released, closing Christmas Eve at 11.59. So as Santa is landing on top of your roof, that's your last chance to get into the Overlook. So uh, without any further ado, let's go and bring bring in Mr. Justin
1: Meese, how you feel about that? Sick. I feel like I went on. A, I kind of rambled there for a minute, but
2: no, that's what podcasting is—is is just managing. Like, welcome in, Mr. JT Meese, fifteen as he is known in the Discord, Mr. Justin Meese. Thank you for taking the time to join Dialed In Podcast by the High Con Club. How you doing this uh, holiday season?
0: I appreciate y'all having me. Uh, I'm doing good. Uh, I've been busy. Um, two little boys running around kind of keeps me on my toes, but but we've been good.
2: Good, happy to hear it, and happy to headed down to be headed down um, your way very soon. But before we talk about that, um, Kreider and I talked at the beginning of the episode about the the tornado relief efforts that we. Um, put forth through the High Cotton Relief Fund as part of the High Cotton Club. And you were a huge part of that. Um, and I can't thank you enough. Um, tried not to talk too much about it publicly on Discord and stuff like that, because I just felt like one of those things that I don't want to, I didn't want to continue to talk about the tornadoes when people are trying to like have those fun conversations in Discord. But truly, from the bottom of my heart and all the people that uh, we were able to help because of what you did um, through yeah. your business, thank you. Um, so thank you so much. And, and if, we want to give you a second just real quickly to tell us exactly what your business is. And if anybody's interested, how they can get in touch with you.
0: Yeah. So um, just first, I, you know, I saw everything happening that day. I was, I was at home kind of tracking everything, really keeping an eye on the weather just because, you know, in the golf industry, it's important for me to keep an eye on the weather. And I kind of saw stuff started to pop off. So uh, I saw that y'all were affected up there and kind of came up with a quick plan. Like, Hey, I got, a car, I got a bunch of cards in a $5 box for a show that I'm about to set up at why don't I just run through this $5 box sell some stuff on Twitter and and donate half of that so you know it was just something that I could I could do to help whoever needed it whether it be high cotton guys or just guys in the area um but that being said yeah I do have a, a card business sports card business um I deal mostly in, in college football and NFL um baseball and golf cards which are a thing but not a lot of people know that um dabbling a little in like soccer and f1 um just because there's interest down here for that stuff so uh it's at jt jt card swap on twitter uh there's also an instagram i don't really use the instagram that much twitter is actually where i do most of my business um not in person so I do set up the shows down here, but if anybody has old cards laying around, we all collected cards as a kid for the most part, um, they're probably not worth anything uh, to be honest because the 80s and 90s, they overprinted everything. Um, but If you got stuff you're just trying to get rid of, um, send me pictures on Discord, um, reach out, get my number, send me some pictures, reach out on Twitter, whatever. Get in contact with me. I can at least look at it and be like, hey, you might have something here, you might not. Um, and We'll get you cashed out and further my business um, that way
2: well again it was super generous of you to to think that way and to to jump um straight into help and and that's kind of uh, a huge representation for what the high cotton club is and why i'm so proud of the community that we have and you're a true representation of that so thank you before we move on i gotta ask do you have a favorite card And and, you know, not maybe a most valuable or anything like that, but just a personal favorite. A favorite
0: card for me. I feel like if you had a
2: Bo Jackson, the the Bo Jackson card, right? That's like
0: yeah. If you
2: had that one, that's the one.
0: That's sick. But like, so I had back in the day, and this was a I was a huge Sammy Sosa fan when I was a kid. All right, and don't ask me why because I didn't even like the Cubs. I just liked him, and. I don't have it anymore. I don't think I've seen the card in 10 years. But when I was a kid, I know for a fact I had it was a, a Sammy Sosa card that had a piece of a foul pole on it. And I think I traded it for, like, Pokemon cards or something. But now looking back at it, I'm like, damn, I wish I still had that. Because, like, that's the one card that I always think about. Like, that's the one card that I wish I had still. I'm sure I could find one, but it just wouldn't be the same. So I'm, I'm not even looking for it. I just know that I had it, and I think in my past that's probably my favorite card that I've ever, ever owned.
2: I like it. Uh, that's good stuff. Well, the Overlook is only a few weeks away. We extended registration uh, to give everybody uh, an ample opportunity after things kind of got shaken up for a few weeks here in High Cotton Country. So as we look forward to the Overlook, Kreider, are you signed up to make the trip? Sure am. Absolutely. He's he's excited. Have, have you been to Limestone yet? I have not. All right, so uh, Justin, what can Alex here expect from the golf course, um, even though he hasn't seen it before? Talk us to us a little bit about how it's changed since we were there uh, a year ago, and what the guys can expect who maybe haven't been there before.
0: So, um, in the words of a member that has been living there since 2005, um, we heard Saturday that the greens are the best he's ever seen them there. Um, so. They're rolling true. We might not have them rolling at a 14, um, but they're rolling true and they're pretty firm right now. Um, not huge undulations on the greens. A couple of greens have some feed points, but other than that, relatively flat, but that makes for some interesting pin locations because we can kind of get spicy with tucking stuff behind bunkers. Um, keep it in the fairway. That's really, I mean, most golf courses you go to, that's a good piece of advice, but especially at Limestone, Right now, because uh, we probably should have mowed our rough once or twice more before it went dormant, but she's thick; um, <laughs> she's real thick. So you can damn near lose a ball in the rough out there um, if you're not careful. But you know, it's there's holes that you can get away with missing in certain spots, and there's holes where you can't miss. I mean, eleven—if you're not in the fairway. And even in the fairway you're not in a good spot <laughs> I mean 11 is a tough hole you're if, if it's almost better to lay up you'll see when you get there you tee off it's a par five that goes down a hill and there's a, a creek that runs through at about 340 out um, and if you stay on the back side of the creek it's like 150 I think to the green so but there's a hill up you can lay up to the top of the hill you're still I mean you're gonna have like 270 to the green, if not more than that from there. But that's the only flat spot on the fairway on this side of the creek. So, I mean, there's some tough spots out there. Nine and 13 are drivable. Um, 15 looks like a nothing par three, but it's almost 200 yards. And you can't really tell what the green's doing from the tee box. Um, 17's a fun go-get-it hard dog leg left that if you cut the corner enough, you're sitting with a good, you know, pitch to the green. You're not even 50 yards. So there's a lot of go get them holes. There's a couple holes where you got to be careful. Um, but as far as, like, maintenance has gone since you guys have been there, uh, we sodded a lot this summer um, trying to get rid of some of the bare areas that were there just from years past. Um, we actually overseeded the driving range. So there's ryegrass on the driving range tee. Um, And the par three tees are also overseeded. We didn't go balls of the wall and do all the the tee boxes, but all the the par threes are overseeded. So there's a little pop of of green freshness other than the greens because everything else is dormant now. Um, Did a lot of irrigation uh, fixes just to kind of get better coverage on the greens. But I mean, for this time of year with, you know, the drought that we were kind of in there for what felt like ever, um we're we're in a pretty good spot.
1: It's clear. What would you call what um just, just so I know, what would you say is a signature hole out there so I can look out for it? Seven.
0: Four three. It's about hundred and fifteen from the twos. It's probably the craziest green on the course. It's the only green that's crazy undulated. And I might have a surprise for y'all where we put that pin location on Saturday.
2: We like that. I think that they're <laughs> You know, that may be the signature hole, and there are several really good holes, but what separates limestone is just, like, there's several stretches of really, really good golf holes. And, like, there may be – one of those stretches may just be interrupted by a hole that, like, I don't like, but that doesn't make it a bad hole, right? Like, I don't like 11. I don't really like 10. But, like, the stretch um, leading up to that and right after that continues to be really, really good. And uh, I, if I remember correctly, it's one of those places that I talk about hitting every club in my bag. And so it, it tests the entire spectrum of your game. And uh, it's it's an event that I really – I've looked forward to all year, and I'm super, super bummed and not be able to play. Um, but, you know, I'll be down there and, and keeping the vibes high. Yeah,
0: like that – like you said, that stretch, really 13 in. From 13 all the way to the end, I mean – 13 is drivable par four. 14 can get a little dicey around the green, which that's another thing that we changed this year. We mowed down and made some short grass areas around greens. Last yeah. year, last year it was all oh rough God. up to the collar. Now we mowed out some, you know, approach areas. 14 is one of those greens. We went all the way around that, that green mowed it down short. So you're going to get some runoff off the greens. 15, like I mentioned, longer par three. 16 is a gettable par 5. 17 is a gettable par 4. And then you got 18, which is a beast, especially if you got prevailing winds because you're into the wind. And that tee shot, you got to hit a lot farther than you think you do. So it's it's a good stretch to finish. 11, you know, 12 not a bad par 3. It's, it's just kind of squeezed in there. Uh, 10 and 11 are tough holes um, to start a back nine on. I'm not a huge fan of those holes either. Um, we've actually looked at, you know, expanding fairway on 11 um, almost all the way to the cart path just to kind of give you a little bit more room. And, and 10, we talk about, we talked about taking all the trees out down the right side of the fairway just to kind (sighs) of open it up a little bit more. (laughs) So those are, those are things that are in the works may happen, may not, but um, when you guys play it, it won't have happened yet. So you'll, you'll get it as it is.
2: But when, you know, before we brought you in Kreider and I were talking about Um, some of the golf courses around Nashville, kind of the status quo of, you know, just some philosophies in the golf course industry. Um, and it's really special and exciting to see a group like you guys down at Limestone not being okay with the status quo. We're going to do everything to the best of our ability we're going to work to improve what we have and continuing to, to do that year over year day over day, even uh, it's always something that you guys are doing. So a huge shout out to you, your crew. Um, you guys have really created something special. And uh, like I said, even though I can't play, I can't wait just to see the improvement that you guys have made um, because it, it's an awesome, awesome track. And it's one that if our calendar could work a little differently, I would love to not play it in January. Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But we had, we had a jackpot down there um, with some better weather, last season and so hopefully we can get one of those um together after i get off the mend
0: yeah and uh you know a lot of the improvements just quick um goes it's, it's the crew guys man you know i got i got my boss the superintendent he he makes all the plans him and i sit down and make plans but he has the big ideas i'm middle management i'm out there making sure that these guys are just not sitting around on their phones you know and and most of them aren't. You know, they're working hard every day. They're they're boots on the ground guys. Um, they're the ones walk mowing greens, raking bunkers by hand, moving tee markers. You know, setting cups. You know, so it's 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 a huge testament to these guys. It's it's a bunch of kids, you know, eighteen to, to twenty two. And and they get in there and they work their ass off for us. Um, that's all we can really ask for. I don't I don't expect them to be perfect, but just make an effort for me. And they do that every day. So it's a huge testament that the spot the course is in is a, it's a huge testament to that, those guys putting in the hard work day in and day out.
2: Well, you mentioned uh, in that setting team markers or moving team markers and setting hole locations. Um, you and I going to get in the lab. We're going to we're going to cook some stuff up. Uh, we make, might make these guys. Uh, pay a little bit because the format for those who may not be uh aware it's going to be 27 holes obviously everything has to go right for us to get that 27 holes in but I feel confident in it. I'm, I'm looking forward to it we we have 65 forecasted for Christmas Eve why can't we stretch that out a couple more weeks right? Um, right so hopefully we can get all 27 in and that would be 18 in the morning of four ball nine in the afternoon of a scramble so the scramble is going to be a little bit more go get it we'll uh, award individual session winners, but then we're going to be, you know, competing for the overall. So a little bit more chase it and go get it in the afternoon after a morning four ball. Um, what can you expect to to maybe shift up on the golf course from what the guys who may go play on like a regular Saturday would expect?
0: Well, you know, regular Saturdays we're using our quadrant system for for hole locations. um I'm currently actually started today when I had some time. I've been marking hole locations. Some of them are going to be different from last year. Some are going to be the same just because, of you know, some of them I had last year were in bad spots. I mean, I, I tried to make it tough just because it was a full-out scramble. Um, so I can admit that some of them weren't in great locations. Um, but so some of them, you know, my philosophy generally is six easy, six medium, six hard. And, and I think that's what I'm going to kind of roll with. Um, you know, your drivable par fours. I might tuck the pins a little bit, but longer par fours, some of the par fives even, and, you know, 15, I'm probably going to make pretty pretty accessible just because there's no sense in getting out there and in January beating yourself, you know, over Definitely. tough hole locations. So that um, you and I can talk even more about this, Connor, but, uh, you know, move T, t- markers up. On some of the par fours that, that you can go get um, I even thought about you know I think it was d ball last year had pitching wedge in a number two green, which is a par five um, so mm-hmm. I think we I think we might push that back this year
2: to the tips um, oh, and I think we push it up make it drive more. <laughs> <laughs> that hole from
0: the it, that hole from the tips is a completely different hole. I mean you can't see the fairway from back there.
2: I, you know, again, this is something that we can talk about offline, but I think this is why it makes such a great discussion because for the longer hitters, if you are, like, say we moved it up one, then that right. pond is all in your face. Yeah. That's like, true. I was in the pond last year. So, yeah. and I'm not that long of a hitter. So, like, right. maybe, maybe we just move it up if everybody's scoring. And, like, this is maybe just for the scramble session. And, like, yeah. hey, if you avoid the pond, like, cool
0: yeah 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 that's, that's i love the
2: back work that we can have over it, though and, and that's something that <laughs> limestone is so great about because like right off the bat we we don't want to play the tips but number one you have to play the tips
0: yeah yeah that's non-negotiable you're hitting off of the, the the tee box and then going off the cliff with your golf ball i mean that's something you have to do if you're playing a limestone
2: all right well uh defending champion as well um what are your thoughts uh, just as far as a competitor goes before we get into some life advice and questions?
0: You know, I think there's a lot of uh, Alabama residents' names missing from the sign-up list. And I think, and I put this in the Discord, I think they're just scared to come play me at, at Limestone. Um, I won last year, and they just don't want to go out there and get beat on again like they did. I mean, it wasn't even really close last year. Um and I think those guys are just scared, to be honest.
2: Thoughts of somebody who's going to be competing against him?
1: I'm all for it. You know, I guess I'm not. I'm not uh, known for winning, but I'll tell you what. I'm gonna go out <laughs> swinging. I, I love to go out and get try to see what I can do.
2: I think this is the. There could not be a better format for you, because I'm
1: a, I'm a scrambled. Mo- I'm a monster in scrambles. I'll tell you that.
2: The the four ball. You know, if if your partner can hold you up as you get into that mid round phase where you're tinkering with your swing, and then you figure it back out by seventeen, eighteen, and you're ready to yeah, go for the we're,
1: scramble. We're right. That's it. We're, we're no, I'm not tinkering. I'm stamp my name on. It. I'm not tinkering anymore. I'm done. But, you know, we're not doing it on the golf course anymore. We're out there. We're trying to. We're we're going to try to be a killer, but. Who knows? I don't know.
2: We're, we're going to do randomized A and B pairings. Although, you know, the committee may decide that Mr. Meese and Mr. Stewart should have the opportunity to defend their title. If the opportunity presents itself. So barring that, we're going to be doing random A and B pairings. I would assume you're probably going to be an A, although you might be able to sneak down to a B either way. I'm going to find your partner. I'm going to text them and I'm going to hold them accountable to hold you accountable. Yeah. Cause at the end of the day, we all need a good
1: accountability. buddy. Yeah. <laughs> I'm excited to get down in Alabama. You know, not a huge fan of the state itself. We'll will admit that. You know, publicly, it's not my favorite place to be. Not not not. You know, not to shame anybody. It's just I've I've had to live there, and it just wasn't great. You know, I've had personal experiences that have influenced that decision. Not so much that I'm just from Tennessee and just. Well, I don't even call myself from Tennessee, so it's not a Tennessee thing. Um. Anyways, but every time I've gone down there to play golf been really impressed with the golf courses the guys down there are awesome i love all of our alabama guys and i've 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 always been blown away by the golf courses they're just for being relatively close to tennessee they all just seem to have like a different vibe um and it just feels that i don't know they they always just seem to bring in a little more uh kind of like a natural vibe that I don't know if it's just the trees there, you know, they got the big tall pines, you know, start getting into like Georgia and Alabama, you get the big tall pines and everything. I don't know. I don't know if limestone spring has this. I've never been there obviously, but it just, there's just a a, ton of
2: big pines. So we can assure you that. Yeah.
1: I don't know. It's just that the Alabama golf vibe is pretty good.
2: I like it. I think limestone definitely has a unique vibe unto its own, just kind of where it is, but it fits that Alabama vibe, but just how you get to the golf course, like, you are going almost into a nature preserve that has a neighborhood and a golf course in it. And so uh, you, you get that vibe, but how would you Justin compare the Alabama golf vibe to, cause you're a transplant yourself. Like how has that experience been different for you?
0: Well, you know, it's to be honest, I didn't play a lot of golf in Pennsylvania growing up. Um, I started playing in Florida when I was stationed in Jacksonville uh, more. I mean, I played a little bit growing up, but not much. Um, So obviously, I mean, Florida golf courses are flat, and then when I was living in Virginia, I was living in coastal Virginia, so it's all flat. So coming here and starting to play golf here, it was a huge change for me because, you know, you actually got to take into account, you know, you're hitting downhill or uphill, club up, club down. Flat ground, you don't have to do that. It's not even something that crossed my mind. So, you know, it's Alabama has obviously the, the Robert Trent Jones Trail. Um, there's a lot of good tracks on that, um, but as a whole, um, Birmingham has a lot of a pretty good golf, um, some decent public tracks, a lot of really good private courses um, in this area, but, but yeah, I, lo- I love the golf down here. Um, o- o- every course kind of has its own thing that makes it challenging, like, including elevation changes on most courses in the area. So so I enjoy the golf here a lot more than I did, I think, looking back in like the Virginia and Jacksonville area because Those courses can be challenging, but most of the challenge is water, not having to think about, you know, club selection because of elevation change.
2: I will quickly shout out probably the flattest course that I have played in Alabama, Um, Colonial, outside of Huntsville. Big fan of that place. Played it a lot during COVID when I was working at Wheatons. Would just drive down there and uh, walk a bunch of the time. And, God, it's just – it feels like you're going back into time to a 19 – Let's pick a, a appropriate time, 1975, 1980, uh, Southern Country Club, right? Like, it's just – it's nothing fancy, and, like, it's definitely dilapidated a little bit. But, like, that's just what the golf course presents. It's like this is what it would have been, like, 40, 50 years ago if you were just playing golf in the South. Love that feeling. Um, we talked about Alabama, Tennessee, Kentucky over the course of the pod. Um, Nicholas Carpenter um, from Instagram, one of our new followers, asked – Will the High Con Club ever play in East Tennessee? He's from Bristol, and uh, the Bristol area, and would love to join. Well, short answer is meet us halfway, right? Um, I think that getting all the way over to Knoxville, we just don't have the core over there that we need to actually host an event. Tried to plan one in Crossville this year that didn't get any traction from the East Tennessee guys. Um, So that's an event next year that will be – at um Sewanee and so you know it's still not too far for the East Tennessee guys to travel but between some of the Kentucky events some of the Nashville events and some of the events that are kind of close to Chattanooga-ish and and that stuff um hopefully there's still ample opportunity but outside of the events themselves like the extinction that's definitely worth traveling for the mother clucker that even though it's Mississippi it's something that you don't want to miss um jackpots are a huge opportunity to get involved with the club and you can get involved with the club even beyond just playing golf we were talking about this last night with a bunch of the guys like there's so many different ways to get something from the roost it it's what are you looking for and what are you willing to put in to get out of that you know we talked uh, about say one guy who has been posting a lot in the discord only plays in a couple of events but he gets ton of satisfaction from just being part of the discord and can play plays when he can um so there there's definitely ample opportunity and i think justin you're probably a good person to ask about this because you are away from our core base do you still feel like you're as involved as you want to be
0: yeah i mean it's the thing being down here you know the the events around nashville it's really not that far of a drive and it's not hard either you know you hop on 65 head north um with my schedule with work you know i'd love to be able to plan more events but the 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 golf course demands me be there more often than you know i'd like but
2: um especially when we're planning golf events and that's the days that the golf courses are busy it's it's tough for somebody working the business yeah
0: yeah and and you know the extinction last year i was I, i would love to have been at but we had planned a member guest that weekend and then the member guest got canceled and nobody got told. So I didn't get on the wait list quick enough. So, you know, it's kind of just one of those things, like I play in every event that I'm able to. um, And I wish it was more because, you know, being on the discord, you know, mixing up with the guys on there is great. And, you know, I really joined high cotton club because I had just moved to Birmingham pretty recently and I was looking for people to golf with. I didn't know anybody here. Um, my wife's from Pensacola. I'm from Pennsylvania. Like, I didn't know anybody. Um, and and it's given me that opportunity to meet other guys kind of in this area, like-minded individuals that wanted to get out and play golf together. And I've met a bunch of those guys. So that's, that's what I get out of it. Really. The, you know, the events are just a plus for me. Um, so that's kind of my take on the whole thing.
1: Love yeah. that.
2: Appreciate that.
1: that that's kind of where I'm at as well. I've, 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 feel i feel like i fit that exact situation you know but i've started playing golf five six years ago and there's the entire time spent prior to february of this year when i joined the club is i was just playing by myself you know i I was getting old i I like i I love the game you know i i just quickly picked it up and got playing a lot and I, i just was ready to meet i you know i didn't play golf in high school so i didn't have buddies from high school that played golf that i kept in touch with, you know, I was traveling a lot from work. So I lost a lot of the connections I had with guys and maybe they did play golf, but lost connections. And I was trying to find a community to join, to build friendships, to go find, you know, to get involved. And honestly, now at this point, my, like my time at the club, like, I feel like I get the most out of it. Just playing jackpots. Like seriously, like I, there's, I, I have so much fun when I, when it's just a impromptu round, like we did, Park Mammoth, you know, six guys. We we got to play together, which was all sick because we had the whole place to ourselves, and it was just a good time like that. When I, you know, that I'll, it's a spoiler for like you know the Park Mammoth or the the next extinction, kind of the my best golf memory, and it, I don't really have one. I just know that at this point in time, like my best time I have with the club is literally just going out and playing with the boys, and uh, that's that's kind of yeah, you know, like like you said, the events are great, super happy to get into involved with those and try to do what I can to compete. But the majority of my year is spent just trying to play golf with my friends. I appreciate that as well. And so to answer your question, Nicholas, I think
2: that even if an event doesn't come directly to your, to your area or to anybody who's listening, if an event isn't coming directly around you within 30 minutes to an hour, that doesn't mean that your opportunities to get involved are zero, right? There's, a, a smattering of members pretty much all throughout our region. There's a, a solid little core over in East Tennessee. I would just encourage anybody who may be on one of those outskirts to get more involved in the jackpots, right? Like you guys can in those corners and in those pods really run up the jackpot race and run up the leaderboard. If you guys just play with each other and it doesn't take a whole lot to do that just, you know, once, twice a month. And I know you guys are already playing up at Neville. You, you Kentucky guys. I know you're already playing by yourselves. Just figure out, you know, when you guys can get together in the same Tucson, and uh, great things can happen. All right, some life advice before we uh, run this podcast completely off the rails, and uh, we'll get there in a second. <laughs> but um, I'll, I'll go ahead and lead us off and get out of the way. Um, I have gone down a bit of a World War Two rabbit hole. You, you see the jokes and, and the memes and stuff about you get to this point in your late 20s, early 30s where you either get obsessed with smoking meat for World War II. Um, I can't eat meat, so it looks like I'm going to World War Two. Uh, so I've been deep in the lab on that and also been working really hard just around here um, and been very thankful for uh, my grandfather. talked on previous podcasts about my middle name being Lane. That's His name, so it's uh, important for me to carry that, and it's something that means a lot to me. He's been helping me a lot um, lately with everything around here. Really can't express my appreciation to him enough, but to loop that back into the World War II thing, just appreciation for our older generation and uh, the people in our family, especially as this is the holiday season and you're probably going to be around your loved ones, um, maybe some that you haven't seen in a while. Or maybe you're not going to be around the loved ones that you haven't seen in a while. Just kind of a reminder to call. Um, Maybe it takes some self-reflection to realize how important those relationships are to you. Because um, I heard somebody say, you know, after you turn 18, the amount of times that you're going to see your parents is in the double digits. It is no longer, you know, unless you live around your parents, something like that probably in the double digits, no longer in the triple digits. And so grandparents amplify that, all that stuff. Um, so to be able to capitalize on those moments, capitalize on those relationships, especially during the holiday season, and uh, I think that's really important. But to say all that and one more thing before we move on, I hate to be on a soapbox. I did open up the pod by saying, you know, I hope that everybody's surrounded by loved ones. I understand entirely how difficult this time can be for people who aren't surrounded by loved ones. So like if anybody is in that situation, um, I'm taking care of animals on Christmas Eve and Christmas, we're doing everything on the 23rd. So like reach out to the high cotton club, Instagram, I'll have a conversation with you. Like, uh, you know, reach out on, on discord, whatever, like if you're lonely and you want to have a conversation, you can go back and forth with me on the debate that we're about to have. And we can have a ton <laughs> of fun with that. Like, you know, nobody is alone and the high cotton clubs here for everybody. But, uh, yeah, a huge shout out to my grandparents, um, all of my family love, appreciate them very much. And I hope everybody else can express that same appreciation and gratitude to theirs. yeah. Mr. Crowder.
1: Uh, you know, I, I kind of had it just, uh, had to think about this and I, you know, I couldn't really put my mind on really what I wanted to say, but, um, my life advice is to, and you know, this is going out to the guys who don't do this and, or who whoever listens you know, try to cook more of your own meals. <laughs> you know what I mean? Branch out, stop buying food. Literally, I have I I after buying my house and have spent more time at home. I'm the cook for myself and my girl. And you know what? I there is no better feeling in the world to putting in an hour or two to cook a good meal and it come out just wonderful. I make my own butter, my own bread. Like I do every, I try to make everything. Try to make your food from scratch every now and then. I know it's time consuming. If you got it, but if you got a free Saturday, just do what you can to kind of spend the day trying to learn new things. And man, it it, it it's a big quality of life improvement. To be able to cook a home cooked meal and just enjoy it with your loved ones, man. It's it cook for somebody else other than yourself. It's really fun.
2: I think it's a great piece of the life advice, but I haven't been invited over for a meal yet. We're going to quickly move on to Mr. <laughs> Justin Meath. Oh, it's season your food. <laughs> Overseason that thing.
0: <laughs> Salt is your best friend when you're cooking. Yeah, fan uh, uh, of
2: uh, paprika, cayenne pepper, garlic powder—kind of like the holy trinity when I'm cooking. Right there, making sure that we get you know some seasoning in there. But anyways, yeah, go ahead, Justin. I just uh,
0: I want to kind of second what Connor said. Um, this time can be tough for a lot of people, um, for different, different reasons. Um, but you know, I'm also an avenue. I'll talk to anybody about anything. I talk to this wall next to me when the podcast is over. Um, literally if you're struggling with anything, um, I'm always an ear. I might not have the answers, but I, I can, I can do my best at least to be a sounding board. Uh, just wanted to say that. Um, but you know, life advice, mm. I was lucky enough to uh, float on a ship in the middle of the ocean um, for about three years of my life and quickly learned that um, routine, well, good thing most of the time can also be a bad thing. Um, Trying stuff new, mixing in some new stuff every day um, isn't going to hurt. Might be kind of scary at first, depending on what you're doing, but just mix it up sometimes you drive one way to work every day drive a different way you know it might change your day in some weird fashion you know every day on the ship i'd wake up go eat breakfast go do my job go sit down in the lounge and watch tv go back and eat go sit down in the lounge and watch tv go get on the computer you know i did the same thing every day for 7 months on a an deployment and i started to realize you know this this routine is getting to me so just mix it up just try something new doesn't have to be anything crazy. Get a, instead of getting a Coke, get a Coke Zero. Like just do something. <laughs> like I don't care what it is. Just one day this week, when you're in your routine, just do something different.
1: Both because,
2: of you guys just speaking to my soul right now.
1: Well, yeah, I was uh, the only thing I was gonna say that I totally agree. Um, and I this was kind of a kind of a weird tie-in to what I said. You know, variety is the spice of life. Ooh. You know, Ooh. that's that adds that extra little pop, you know, a little extra something that makes, you know, life worth living a little variety.
2: All right. Well, um, to peel back the curtain a little bit again, appreciate you guys taking the time to join the pod, both of you guys and appreciate everybody who's listening. We're not done yet, though. If you want to stop listening, you can. But it's about to get really exciting here because to pull back the curtain a little bit, Crider um, and I were sitting here after we recorded waiting on Justin to hop in um, the the meeting. And we're talking about, I asked Kreider if he had seen leave the world behind and not plugging the movie, but if you want to watch it for the context of the discussion or to have these discussions, it's a fun conversation to have. Right. And so um, when Justin hopped in, it was like, all right, well, this is a perfect person to like bring into the conversation, military experience veteran, like prepared guy, like, all right, let's, let's have this conversation. So to set the context, if you haven't seen the movie, this is basically an end-of-world scenario, right? We lose the power grid. Um, there's <laughs> cyber attacks. There's attacks from pretty much all over the world. All of our enemies are basically teamed up against us. So cyber attacks all over the country. The eastern seaboard might as well be shut down entirely. You can't really drive anywhere because all the autonomous vehicles have been hacked and have crowded the roads and are running into people and running into each other. Um, so... What do you do? What do you need? What's the plan? Who, who wants to start?
1: I'll start with. I'll preface this with you. Your your energy level when you got speaking on this went from like a three to a nine and a half. So it's this is. Uh, I feel. I know. About- I know. It's this is uh, gearing up to be a. a, a, a Involved conversation with you.
2: I feel bad that I didn't have that energy the entire time. <laughs> <laughs> all right, I it's all
1: good. You tried, but that, man, has been a long week. As soon as you got into this, it's just like crank it up. But anyways, well, this is
2: something say. that I, I've legitimately thought about for years, and I'm not like a prepper by any means, but like I've thought, what would I do? Like, how could I be more prepared? If I had, if I won the lottery, what would I do? And like, I would invest in being prepared largely um so justin with some military experience what are what are you kind of looking at at the possibilities of this scenario happening and how you would be prepared for it
0: you know by no means am i a prepper but i do have a go bag um if you don't know what a go bag is i'm about to explain it to you so pretty much it's a backpack that you pack a bunch of stuff in that you can grab and go okay so you have You know, fire starters, um, emergency shelter, emergency blanket, some paracord. Um, I have a couple emergency food sources in there. Um, What else do I got in there? Fishing kit. um, You know, snares and traps, so I can get meat. Um, I'm gonna grab my gun out, going out the door, um, so I can get whatever animals I come across, or you know, personal defense. Um, Life straws are in there, so that's a, a way to get. You know, fresh water, also purification tablets and a small pot to, to boil water if my life straw runs out of um, juice on it. Um, it's kind of just your make sure your basic needs are met. Make sure you, you have a way to stay warm. Make sure you have a change of at least one change of clothes in there, um, a way to get out of some wind. You need some water and you need some food. Um, and it's just something quick that you grab and you go. I have a first aid kit in there. Um, a lot of it is stuff that I accrued over my time in the Navy that expired according to the government. Um, but really is still fine. So I have a couple IV bags in there. Um, just kind of a smattering of everything you might need basics. Um, I mean, it's not crazy. I don't have, you know, 60 days worth of food in there. I have about seven days and that's eating like a, a high density calorie bar that tastes like cardboard. It's not like it's nice food. Um, but that's kind of just basics. And, you know, if something happens, there's a mountain right behind my house. All right. I'm going up that mountain at least first just to get away from the house in the neighborhood. And then I'm in the mountains. So all I got to do is keep walking. Okay. I don't have horses like Connor. I've never been on a horse in my life. All right. If cars are down, I don't run. I mean, that <laughs> I haven't run in years. I'm walking. Get a good pair of shoes on and walk. That's, Where are you I'm, walking I'm the, to? I... Hang out, man. I'll hunker down. Just all right. All right. Nice... So in this...
2: I, I love how prepared you are. In this scenario, right, what kind of... What, what happens if there's radiation?
0: Well, I mean, there's nothing at that point that we're really going to be able to do,
2: to be honest. Okay.
0: The, you know, depending on how high the radiation is, you might have a week, you might have two hours. You know, there's, there's nothing... I mean, I guess you can get a, a, some expensive anti-radiation suit, but I'm not dropping
2: <laughs> that money on it.
0: Like, if a nuke's going to come, a nuke's going to come, and I'm going to be dust in about two seconds. That's just the way that it is, you know?
2: That's fair. I didn't know if you were, you know, it, trying to find somebody who has one of these shelters, uh, you know, find a rich neighbor. Maybe, you know, you become friends with that person. You get in the shelter, whatever you got to do to make that happen.
0: I mean, yeah, that'd be sick, but that situation—if there, you know, there's 15 people in there—how long is that gonna last before it devolves?
2: Well, that's why you're your <laughs> the military man. You, you keep them all, <laughs> keep them all in line. You, you set rather, them up, set everybody up in a routine, and you'll be good for at least seven months, right?
0: I'd, i I'd, I'd rather me, my wife, and the boys just, figure it out.
2: You
0: know? figure it out or die trying.
2: I'll disagree. Alex, what's your perspective on it?
1: Um, you know, I'm kinda like you, like briefly every now and then while I'm driving, I might think about this situation. And I we kind of spoke about it earlier, like you know, it's not been something that's been like on the forefront of my, you know, my priority list. So but I've told myself if I ever have the means, it is I think it's worth to some degree preparing in some way not to say that i'm a prepper as well so and nor have i watched the movie that you referenced um my really only like end of the world um viewing experience has been like comedy shows like last man on earth so maybe i'll be like living i'll, I'll drive out to tucson arizona you know if anyone understands that but um i don't know um i i think at some point i'll start putting some type of Plan together and hopefully it's not in this scenario too late. Um, But the idea is just to put myself a kind of remote shelter and hunker down with, you know, my, my my family and people I trust. And hopefully I have, uh, you know, if I'm worried about having sustenance, it's having water filters and having uh, a way to catch food um, or hunt. Um, so, and, and, and building a seed stockpile of it, like, I, I don't know, they're, they're, it's hard to understand really. Cause we're not, uh, it's, if we're talking like full blown shutdown, like, are we, we're talking like, we're just going to have to expect that the rest of our lives are going to be li- living to survive. I think you're expecting to have to rebuild civilization, right? So yeah. So I'm thinking about like, now we're going to be looking into like building a farm. Yeah, you know? exactly.
2: And so that's where like, I, I come into it. I had always envisioned it like at our place in South Tennessee. Now I envision it in my own place. Like the first thing that I think about is fuel tanks, right? Like I want huge diesel and gas fuel tanks that I can keep full and not because I don't expect to be able to drive and I don't want to be driving all over the place, but I want to have generators. I don't want to be completely reliant on solar, whatever happens. Like I want generators if nothing else for freezers for the meat that I'm gonna harvest for you know the stuff that I'm gonna try to grow to keep that good.
1: I think solar is your best bet. Because fuel goes bad. Does fuel go bad? Yes. How long does right. it take for fuel to go bad? Fuel go <laughs> fuel will go bad. So this is it, I <laughs> how I, long is it
2: legitimately how long does it take for fuel to go bad? So
1: as someone who has who and, and part of the industry I've worked in we've had to deal with like holding diesel holding tanks for generators because we you know, we exactly what I'm talking about. Facilitate installations of generators that can power like a hospital. So they have giant fuel tanks to, to fuel those generators to run for, you know, for say a week at a time, they have to treat that, that diesel fuel or else if it doesn't, if it's in a storage tank for too long, it'll like gelatinize and, it'll just it, that's how it, it just it kind of like spoils and it turns to a jelly like a jelly that you can't actually put through an engine is this just is diesel or is this gasoline it's, too it's because i'm with,
2: blowing I, this is blowing my mind cuz i just keep gas too? tanks in the garage isn't this
0: the temperature
1: though it's no it's just a it's just a matter i i you know maybe there's other factors that influence it but it fuel is not perpetual it doesn't just exist forever it will like, Get to a point where you can't use it.
0: Like, I know at work, like when it freezes, like we go and we turn on all our diesel equipment just to make sure it's hot. You know, the the diesel didn't turn into jelly. But for me, that in my mind, I I know nothing about engines or anything like that. So, like, I have no clue. But for me, I'm like, oh, we're just turning it on. So, like, it cycles through and, you know, warms up the engine a little bit. But we don't do it to the gas equipment. It's just the diesel stuff.
2: That's very, yeah. I don't know much about engines either. And so I think that if we're preparing for the end of the world, you got to get a buddy who went to auto diesel college. Um, That's somebody that you need living right down the road from you, you know, whenever something breaks down. But then like, I don't think you can rely on any of that stuff because once stuff breaks down and you need parts and stuff like that, you're not going to be able to get it. So we're truly going back to cowboy up bowl, son, like get ready to get, How I said, get ready to get dirty. Welcome to dirty jobs. Like things are, things would get rough. Um, I think that you know, obviously the the chaos turns probably pretty quickly, like in the movie. And so I always envisioned like either one one way in, one way out, or like some sort of you know pass by road that like is restricted to me, like we had in South Tennessee, Um, and like hunting stands in the woods, just off the road, and, like, signs, like, you should turn around, and if you don't turn around, you're going to get shot. Like, you, you know, you're not coming up towards high cotton headquarters if the end of the world is happening.
0: I feel like if you survive the first 30 days, you have a pretty good shot, especially if it's quick, you know. Like, if it's a quick everything happens at once, you know, I, I would expect probably two-thirds of people are going to panic, and that panic is going to cause them to lose their life.
1: If you can stay
0: calm for the first thirty days, I I kind of feel like you you have a good shot. Stay calm, figure it out.
1: I I wanna say, and this is I think back on a guy that told me this. I think um you have to be you have to be ready in physical and good physical health as well.
2: That's that's I had a guy
1: that told me and I I don't he he was a very like he was I can't go
2: to the chiropractor.
1: Yeah. Well, he was telling me that maybe the, like, yeah, I think there's going to be, and, and, you know, if we devolve, I do want to go home at some point. So we'll, we'll continue at this point. But, um, you know, I, before I go back to what I was trying to say, I'll say one thing. I think there's going to be a lot of stock in being somebody who's a valuable asset, you know, like if you've got skills, if you can, uh, sustain multiple people, you bring value, you're not going to be someone who's a burden. And that's going to be in a, a whole lot of value in a spot where like resources are limited and trust is like going to be like the number one factor in like how you survive. But I will say, I, I remember I had this guy, I had this friend I knew, He and he told me this, and I don't know how much stock I put into it, but he's a pretty serious guy. So maybe it, it was valid. He believed this. He said, if I look at you and I don't think you can be and you can do ten pull-ups, you're I can't be friends with you because if the world ends, you're dead weight. That's I was like, you know what? That's you know you, you got a point. Like if you can't physically,
2: like I, I think it's less than five percent of the population that can do the ten pull-ups. Exactly. Maybe even less than that. It, ten pull-ups is a lot of pull-ups. It's Mark it's, Wahlberg it, it, can't do ten pull-ups. anybody see that clip? It is and it isn't. He he
1: he got like seven busted out. Like it might not have been ten, but like that's the point I'm trying to get. This like yeah, no. He I was... looked at it, like you know if you're if you're some supremely obese person, like he's he in, in an end of the world situation. Like you're going to be kind of hard to deal with in a situ- yeah. Like if we've got to be up and go, and you're like you can't walk, that's a really tough spot to be in. And like now I'm not trying to be like this isn't like I'm trying to I'm trying to be PC. You know i do not I don't, I don't be whatever way you want to be. I'm just saying in this specific scenario, if you're extremely obese and like you have issues or like you have health concerns that prevent you from walking or paralyzed, it'll be really hard for you to make it because this isn't, this isn't just like casually seeing at home now. It's like surviving.
2: Well, Well, we'll try to wrap it up. But JC, you did mention something that I, that made me jump to the next like level of the question. I think you said, if you survive the first 30 days, you're good, right? The movie that kind of sparked the conversation or discussion in my head, and let me be clear, this is not my Roman Empire. My Roman Empire is uh, that, like the Europeans and England specifically not giving uh, America enough credit for declaring independence and then saving their asses in two world wars. Um, that's my Roman Empire. But if we were to talk about this situation, uh, is it a, a situation where like everybody attacks us that's just the first stage, is kind of the devastation, and now we're going to get invaded, right? So not only did you have to survive, but now you have to deal with, with the ops, right? And and they're coming, and now are we all banding together? Does that cause us to divide even further? How long do we have to, like, if if they wipe us out like that, and then they invade us, oh. Whoosh. Well, I mean, it's Middle America versus everybody, right? Like that's all that we have left. The coasts are yes gone. And no. Yes and no, but you know,
0: let's let be real. Russia is struggling with a small country right now, so I'm not really too worried about that adversary.
1: <laughs> I think I think at some at, 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 if there was ever like so an invasion, if. If I'm trying to put myself in the shoes of like other entities that are like trying to take over the country, it's It's just like red dawn. It's just
2: for resources.
1: Like that's all the country really has to offer. If you're going to try to take over the United States, it's not to like gain financial or it's just for financial and like benefit to your country, which is resources.
2: I don't know. I think that there's, there's a a case to be made for pure unadulterated hatred of America.
1: (laughs) Right. Like just, just don't like them. That exists yeah. in this country. Right? That exists in the world. So it's yeah. It it's in this country, too, like it.
0: It, exa- it exists in this country,
2: too. <laughs> yeah. How many people would be like, oh, no, I'm going with those guys. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, yeah, I mean, I guess it comes down to survive the first 30 days and then learn how to evade, and get really good at it. It's just yeah. a big game of hide-and-seek at that point.
2: Do you – after that 30 days, do you continue to, to play hide-and-seek, or are you, are you trying to – kind of walking dead, team up with a crew, set up a base camp, set up a fortress.
0: The it, it, it kind, it, of, kind of, kind of last
2: thing I'll ask you is our military man, what's your strategic plan there?
0: Well, I, I'm going to stay in the woods. Um, I'm not going to – I might venture back in occasionally to civilization to pick up some food and loot, that kind of thing. Um, but, yeah, I'm going to hole up in the woods. I'm going to get in a good spot where I think either no one's going to get to or – I'm going to find some other people and we're going to hole up and make a little camp and we'll just hang out. You know, I'll. I'll yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll fight with my back against a rock wall on the side of a mountain. I don't care. That's just yeah, the way. That's, that's, if it's going to. Go if I'm going to fight, I just like. I'm probably not going to win. You know, if there's multiple countries going against me. So I'm just going to take out as many as I can and go out with guns blazing and
1: live the good life. Yeah. I, I I just think I'm gonna try to go north. I don't know, try to figure it out. Go find a lake up in Michigan somewhere and just hang out and just fish and try to try to survive. I don't know.
2: Yeah, you don't it's make it past area. No chance. It's
0: you. too cold up there. You got to go south. You're better off being. Yeah, but
1: there's a lot of like uh, there's cold. a lot of uh, wildlife up north, mm-hmm. and it's secluded. I think that's like you can find space there. No one wants to go there because it's cold, but there's space.
0: We live in Alabama. It's secluded here. <laughs> Wait till you see limestone. It's in the middle of nowhere.
2: <laughs> well, I think that that's a great way to kind of bring it back all together. If you listen to all this, um, you need to sign up for the overlook and specifically for the cabin. Um, staying at the cottage is an experience that you don't want to miss. We're going to be recording the Roosties. Um, so stay tuned for some information. Um, if you're part of the high cotton club on how you can nominate people, vote all that different stuff over the next couple of weeks, as we get through the holidays and get prepared to head down to, Uh, limestone springs in oniana alabama is that how you say it oniana
0: you say it however you like all right well (laughs) we can't
2: wait to see you in uh beautiful alabama very soon again thank you guys both for taking the time and we look forward to uh seeing everybody again very soon appreciate y'all having me on yes sir
0: rich some guys like it quiet some guys like it loud this is
1: exercise i don't know. of
2: course the conditions now that he has to play the shot to test anyone straight up oh yeah look at this Peter. look at this shot look at this might go in
1: might go in might go in it is in oh he's running after he got there before the ball
2: did. I don't believe him. How about
1: that? I'm not sitting do that. You knew he would. You knew he would. Oh, my
2: goodness. They've <laughs> come a long way together, Jim, those two. It's a great story.